Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Michael Wald, and welcome to today's show on Ask the Blood Detective, titled Toe Tagged Before Your Time. For those of you who don't know what the term toe tag refers to, let me explain it real briefly. Toe tag simply refers to what happens to you when you die. When you die and you end up on a slab in a hospital, for example, or in a coroner's office, you most likely will have a small tag tied on your big toe, which has your name, the date, and if you're lucky, your date of birth. The point, though, is when it's over, it's over. So today's show topic is all about our daily exposures to a variety of known carcinogens, suspected carcinogens, or simply toxins that can accumulate over the course of our lifetimes causing any number of either chronic and serious illness or acute symptoms. Now, what's so very interesting, I think, about environmental exposures in a general sense is that they are very difficult to recognize because from day to day, from moment to moment, we're exposed to any number of toxins, uh, numbering certainly in the thousands, if not tens of thousands. No one simply knows. Not even the Environmental Protection Agency and other types of agencies that monitor at least outdoor toxins and or pollutants. And on a daily basis, for example, when you have a symptom, maybe you have chronic headaches or you have brain fog or you have exposure to secondhand smoke or carpets in your home or indoor air pollution, or toxins in your car emitted from the plastics or leather of your car seats or the carpeting in your car. We'll go through lots of these different exposures. A number of diseases and chronic symptoms can arise. And the very and the confusing part about all this for healthcare providers is that unless the exposure is a big one, for example, you go to work, uh, perhaps in a school. I've had many patients, of course, that are school teachers, and they have uh, been notified that they have been breathing in any number of toxins in their schoolroom uh, for decades. They often uh, begin lawsuits, and all of a sudden they can explain a lot of their chronic health concerns. If the exposure, however, is a big one, as I mentioned, and it's acute, it's pretty easy for healthcare providers and environmental protection type people to recognize that A cause B. But when the exposure is very subtle every day, it's in the water we drink, the water that we wash ourselves with in either a bath or a shower, or as I mentioned, we're exposed to a variety of toxins from any number of places in our homes it's not so easy to identify causes. And sometimes, even when you do identify causes, let's say the causes of your cancer or your heart disease or your lung problems or your gut problems or your hypothyroidism or your autoimmune disease, even your diabetes, even when you can identify the causes, how would we then mitigate those causes? How do we manage our health at the moment and prevent further health problems as we move forward. There is a way to do that. And I'll tell you what that is. But you'll see in a moment that it's not enough. What it is, is or should be obvious, remove yourself from the toxic exposures. Right? Simple. Not so simple. Because if you live in a home or an apartment you have a myriad of toxins that are uh, 
all around you at any given time. From a nutritional perspective, you can reduce the effects upon your body every single minute of every single day. So what I'm saying, to put it another way, is that even when you know you have exposures to toxins every moment of every day, both indoors and outdoors, even in your car, you can use nutrition to help your body properly detoxify, metabolize, and excrete toxins in an efficient way. Now, I am not at all saying that nutrition will save you from all of the toxic potential effects of the pesticides we're exposed to, the herbicides, the fungicides, the heavy metals we breathe, the heavy metals in our carpets at home that we drag into our homes, on our shoes, sneakers. We even bring toxins into our home and deposit them on our hands as we walk around in our homes and the rubber at the bottom of our shoes or sneakers starts to sloth off and release these toxic plastics, which are known to promote cancer and all sorts of autoimmune problems. But what nutrition can do is be ever-present, meaning if you take certain nutrients, if you eat certain foods on a regular basis and take your supplements at regular intervals throughout your day, you will enable your body to much more effectively manage a wide variety of toxins by supporting your, your health in general, all of your body systems overall, with special attention to the detoxifying organs, or I should say, what I would consider the most important detoxifying organs. Of course, you're thinking of the liver, and that would be true, but also the, the lymphatic system and the lungs. The lungs are detoxifying organisms or I should say organs, and the lungs take in most of the toxins that we're exposed to, certainly from inhalation. So you don't hear much talk about supporting the lungs as a detoxifying organ. It is really simply left out, even in natural medicine circles for the most part. So I mentioned that it's important to take your nutrients at roughly regular, regular intervals throughout the day. And that is a very important statement. For example, I will be talking about a number of toxins that you, everyone out there, and myself are exposed to practically every second of every day. And these toxins, some of them have very long half-lives which simply means that they stay around a long time in the body. And a lot of these toxins are, what, are what's known as fat-soluble toxins. So fat-soluble toxins means when you take in these toxins, either through breathing them in or eating them in, or you touch something and they go through your skin, they will deposit themselves in certain organs, some of them will effectively be detoxified and, and basically dismantled by various detoxifying organs, depending on the toxin. In other words, some toxins are best detoxified through the, the, through the kidneys. Other toxins are best detoxified through the liver. Others are best detoxified in the stomach with proper stomach acid. When I talk about the half-lives or the time that various toxins can potentially exist within the body. Some of these half-lives are longer than the average human lifespan. Let me say that again. That's, this is not an exaggeration. The half-lives of many toxins that we're exposed to, like benzene, which is a known carcinogen. It's not a pro-carcinogen, it is a known carcinogen. That means that if you're exposed to enough of it, you're gonna get cancer. And then there are pro-carcinogenic chemicals that have varying half-lives, which means that they promote cancer, they increase your risk of cancer and other diseases dramatically, but they're not a guarantee. Benzene's a guarantee. Back to nutrition and half-lives. If you take 
and you eat the appropriate nutrients in the form of nutritional supplements, which are absolutely necessary, in my opinion, for reducing your toxin exposure and disease potential, what you can do is effectively keep your blood levels high enough to manage these environmental toxins much more effectively. Nutrients have a much shorter half-lives, folks. Nutrients, I'm going to say it again, have a much shorter half-life life than many of these toxins, which means you need to take your nutrients three times per day if you want to seriously try to manage how your body handles fat-soluble toxins. Fat in the body is a reservoir for toxins. The body could even create a situation where you might have difficulty losing weight. Not because you're lazy, not because you're not exercising or eating right, although some of you don't do any of those things right, let's face it. But toxins are, are deposited in the body's fat stores. Not only in the body's fat stores, but it is a major reservoir for toxin exposure. So there's a, there's a saying that I use, and it goes like this. The solution to pollution is dilution. I'll say it again. The solution to pollution is dilution. The body will try to make environmental toxins less toxic to you. And also, by the way, folks, the toxins that the body makes in its, in its own body, we make toxins ourselves. So those toxins and the other toxic load from, the, from outside the body will partly get deposited in our fat tissue. So the body will keep the fat tissue to dilute them. It's a survival mechanism. So then the body doesn't want to lose weight. So one way of losing weight effectively is to target detoxification appropriately so you rid the body of toxins, pulling them out of the fat stores so your body and all its innate intelligence says, hey, I don't need to hold on to this fat tissue anymore. There's nothing in it to dilute. So there is one aspect of detoxification that I find that most of my patients do not understand. Now, for those of us, for those of you out there just joining us, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. I am the supervisor of nutritional services and longevity at Integrated Nutrition of Mount Kisco, located in Westchester. It's about an hour north of New York City. And today's show topic is toe tag before your time, which refers to the term how we die prematurely because of exposures to things every day that are unseen in our environment that we could have taken steps to either avoid or remediate or reduce the effects on our bodies. Many of us look at the big problems, okay, fat in our diets and uh, eating organically. These are all appropriate steps and, and things to be mindful of in our daily lives. But I'm, I submit to you that most human disease are from these unseen toxic exposures. For those of you who want to uh, submit some questions to me at, at the end of the show or at any point, please email me at info at blooddetective.com. Visit my website, look at my blog. My blog has all of my past shows. I did a show on detox deception, goes over all the mechanisms of detoxification and many other topics like pH, for example, everything about the immune system. You can find those at the blog at integratednutritionny.com. So, the last thought I had expressed nutritionally was that because nutrients, when you take vitamin C in the morning, some of you might be under the mistaken impression that that vitamin C will increase your blood levels all day long. No, it's not how it works. Putting malabsorption and age and other factors aside, if you were perfect, in perfect health and you were to take let's say a superfood plant product drink in the morning or, or juicing with green juices or, or vitamin C powder in the morning or you take your multivitamin, whatever it is you're taking, all of those nutrients have specific have-lives in the body and specific lengths of time that they can stay in your bloodstream. That's the key point. So let me bring this to a practical level.
If you're taking vitamin C in the morning, as one example of a nutrient you might take, I certainly take it. Very essential for detoxification and dismantling of multiple toxins. You need to take it in the morning. You would need to take it sometime midday, three, four, five o'clock, and then sometime around three hours after that. If you do that, you are exposing yourself to vitamin C such that you'll have some amount of vitamin C in your blood, higher than you would, of course, if you just ate vitamin C-rich foods throughout most of the day, which means you have that protection against your exposures of toxins that are all around you every minute of every day because you're taking your vitamin C at least three times. Now, some of you who know a bit about chemistry are saying, wait a second, Dr. Wald, no, 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 no. Vitamin C, B vitamins, whatever you're talking about, CoQ10, these nutrients have very varying times. They stay in the blood of individuals because of the person's age, how toxic they are, what other medications they're taking, uh, how, what their diet is like, what other supplements are they taking. And I would say to you, of course, but for the purpose of this conversation, what you must understand is that as inconvenient as it is, if you want to maximally protect yourself nutritionally, you will need to take nutrients on uh, overall, I don't care what the nutrient is, an average of three times per day because of the diminished level of the nutrient that occurs throughout the course of the day after you take the dose. So you take a dose in the morning, your blood levels go up, and then after maybe one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, depending on the supplement, it's different then levels go down. But if you take another dose as that level's going down, then it stays relatively up, right? And then over one, two, three, four, five, six hours, depending on the supplement, the level of the nutrient goes down, down, down again. But taking a nutrient three times a day is a pretty good guide. There's a better way, of course, to figure out what your daily exposure to nutrition should be so that the nutrition is available. This is the point. Your, your nutritional concentration in your blood for maximum protection against our toxic environment is probably around three times a day. But the best way to figure it out, again, is to have someone like myself or someone who is qualified to give you an educated opinion about how and when and how much nutrient and what nutrient or nutrients you should take throughout the day. Now, you might say, hey, that's just not convenient, Dr. Wald. I cannot take nutrients three times a day. And I will admit to you, my audience, which I appreciate you lending me your ear today, that I do not take my nutrients three times a day like clockwork. Sometimes I just don't take them at all. I look at them, I'm like, you know, I'm done. <laughs> no, thank you. And other days, I do take them three times a day. If I feel that let's say it's midday and I'm taking my second dose, maybe that night I'm going to go to a movie or I'm going to go uh, do something that I don't believe I will have. Uh, it won't be convenient for me to take my third dose. Then I will take a higher second dose. There are ways to try to make up for things in life. The same concept applies to my exercise or could apply to your exercise. There are days and weeks where I'm lecturing across the country uh, or, or out of the country and I anticipate that that whole week, let's say, a, let's say just within a five-day span, I might not exercise more than once. So I make sure that I work out my whole body that one time and the length of that exercise routine is probably going to be two or three times longer than I normally would have done if I were splitting my exercises up, let's say three days a week as compared to one. So we just need to think of how we can best get it done uh, given life's natural limitations. So what I'm going to do right now, something very interesting, we're going to talk about everyday exposures to toxic pollutants. And we'll also talk about environmental regulations which uh, have improved the quality of outdoor air pollution. But have not at all managed, managed most of our indoor air pollution exposures. And then I'll give specific examples of some of these toxins, and I will talk in detail about how to use nutrition properly. So just one more concept before I start 
that conversation. It's very interesting. Is that, in my opinion, most individuals pay next to zero attention regarding their indoor exposure to carcinogens and other toxins that can and often do affect the length of our lives and the quality of our lives. The average American will drug their symptoms up and then one day wake up with some serious disease and say, well, how did this happen? I was healthy my whole life. Or even the holistically oriented people that I see on a regular basis that come to me for natural care, they will say, Dr. Will, I don't understand this. I've been taking my supplements every day. I juice every day. I even exercise. I meditate. I do yoga. How did I possibly get metastatic cancer? How did I, how do, why do I have these digestive problems? How come my memory is failing? Why am I tired all the time? Well, if your efforts are not based on your needs, given your exposures, that's a problem. If you say to me, I'll give you a very obvious example. You say, if you say to me, and I've had these patients that have lived above a dry cleaner's, some of you are thinking, yeah, I know, dry cleaners, totally toxic. You better believe it. The regular dry cleaners use a multitude of carcinogenic chemicals to clean clothes. And then those clothes are wrapped in more toxic plastic. And then those clothes and that toxic plastic is brought to your home. And you sit it in your closet. And if you keep the plastic on, all those carcinogenic materials in those clothes stays right there. And some of it seeps through the plastic. It gets its, it, it, it penetrates other clothes in your closet, comes out of the closet. You breathe it in on a regular basis every time you open up that closet. And then finally, obviously, you put that, those clothes on and they rub up against your skin. And a lot of these toxins are transdermally absorbed right through the skin, transdermally absorbed through the skin. And uh, that's another major exposure to, to carcinogenic chemicals. But my point was, I've had patients who have lived in the building above, on the apartments above uh, dry cleaners, and they almost always have cancer. And this happens so often to me that it's just shocking that nothing can be done. And yes, there are natural dry cleaners now. With, there are less toxic issues, uh, significantly less toxic issues, but it's not, it's not zero. So what's really interesting is that if, you know, imagine that a killer is on the loose and um, it's a killer who shoots his, his victim and flees. You know, the investigators would undoubtedly respond by, you know, visiting the crime scene and meticulously, you know, searching for clues. They would photograph the body. They take fingerprints. They talk to witnesses and an autopsy uh, would recover the bullet for the, you know, uh, and then the authorities would then use this information to establish hopefully exactly who uh, was responsible. So there's a cause here, there's a killer, there's a bullet, there's a gun, and there's a, an effect. That's pretty deadly stuff. I think you can get where I'm going with this. The deadly effects of our everyday exposures are left unchecked. They are essentially, with very little, ex very few exceptions, uh, regulated by Environmental Protection Agency and, and other agencies responsible for toxin exposures. But they kill people nonetheless. And uh, no one is hold, held accountable for it. So it is up to us, and I've said this on practically every show of Ask the Blood Detective, for you to be your own blood detective, for you to be your own detective and take your health into your own hands, with a little help, of course. Most, most environmental laws in the U.S., in the United States, they seek to control only the release of potentially dangerous waste into the air and water, not the amount of contact people actually have with those pollutants. So there's this focus on emissions rather than exposure, essentially you know, disregards the reality that toxic substances produce health problems only if they reach the body, and they often do reach the body. And they bioaccumulate in the body. That's a fancy term for small amounts over time will accumulate in a person. When a person's 
ability to manage those toxins is exceeded is exceeded exceeded that is by the toxic exposure by the load then the person gets sick it could be days after the toxic exposure it could be weeks months years even decades and to make matters worse everyone has their individual tolerance to toxic exposure which makes it very difficult if not impossible in some cases to identify it, where is the one exposure? Because sometimes there is not one. And as we'll hear in a minute, I talk about how the FDA would say that, yes, certain environmental exposures of toxins are within safety limits, meaning that the average individual would be exposed to a certain toxin and it shouldn't cause any adverse effects. First of all, the average individual does not exist. Are you an average individual? The concept is ridiculous. It is wrong. And it is what medicine and uh, so-called health care, uh, even sometimes natural care, is based on. I do not deal in average individuals. I do not deal with what the scientific studies say is an average man of 70 kilograms and or an average woman of 65 kilograms. I deal with one person against themselves, looking at improvements, comparing against themselves over the course of of time. It is important to look at or consider the concept of, end, of uh, average individuals, but only in a ph philosophical sense because, as I mentioned, there is no average individual. So when the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, says that the average individual only has this much exposure, you need to think, well, think about the average other person you know. Does he or she manage toxin exposure like you do, better or worse? Do children, do pregnant women, do older individuals, do larger people, do smaller people, do people on medications? So my point is, as you might have guessed, it is important for each of us to look at how we manage these things. And the, this oversight, uh, to some extent, is understandable because you know far too long, little information existed about the extent to which most people are exposed to pollutants. Uh, and regulators seldom knew with any certainty the number of people affected by any given pollutant or even the, the severity of exposure or the specific sources of whatever the worrisome chemical is. And the result was that officials office f often focused on uh, limiting pollution from the most apparent or obvious sources, you know, such as automobiles and factories, while Sadly, failing to address many other important but less obvious exposures. So fortunately, though, things are changing. The science of assessing people's exposure to toxic substances has matured. So in particular, we know, you know scientists have developed highly sensitive analytical instruments and portable monitoring devices. And researchers have exploited this equipment, you know, this equipment uh, in large-scale studies uh, and also in the area of healthcare. I myself uh, use, for example, what's called a mercury vapor instrument to detect whether or not there is mercury coming out of people's fillings or even out of their breath. Uh, there's urine and blood laboratory tests that also can check for specific toxins and nutrient use. So it's getting, it's getting personal, which is how we need, we need to have testing and must be personal. And that realization has what, is what brought me to providing personalized health care. It's got to be based on each person, not some philosophical average. You know, uh, I think it was 1980. The, in 1980, the, uh, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency launched, launched the first serious efforts to assess everyday exposure of the general population to various toxic substances. And that program um, was carried out primarily by the Research uh, Triangle Institute in North Carolina and, um, and other contract research organizations uh, expanded and included uh, a lot of different studies which were carried out in about 14 U.S. states. And most of the investigations that they employed monitored instruments that were small enough and they were light enough for investigators to carry with them. And this advanced technology started to open up the floodgates of, of the toxic exposures. So these devices and the tests showed that which pollutants existed close 
you know, close by and in what concentrations. And in some cases, the researchers also made instruments, um, or I should say measurements of the food and the water consumed by individuals. In certain circumstances, they even determined the blood levels of various pollutants from breath samples. And so far, uh, the studies of these toxins, of what they call total human exposure, they've examined the prevalence of what we call volatile organic compounds, like carbon monoxide and pesticides or dangerous particles in the daily lives of, of more than, I believe they studied more than 3,000 subjects. And that was a you know, carefully chosen sort of slice of the population. And it was meant to represent most individuals in, in, in North America that lived in either suburban or urban areas. And again, it is a study. It's not about, about you, but it's got some relevance. So they did chemical analyses of samples and they were able to identify a large amount of exposures. For instance, uh, these investigations of volatile organic compounds, they're bad, okay? They typically tested positive in these people for some 30 different chemicals, uh, including many of them known to cause cancer in either people or animals. Now, and I admit, it's very difficult to know whether the, the contacts most people have with those substances pose an especially large health risk because the capacity for low levels of each compound to cause sickness is exceedingly hard to estimate. And the reason why it's hard is that you as an individual might be exposed to small amounts. But what's a small amount if it caused cancer in you or autoimmune disease? So there's a relative amount in a person that might pose a health risk. But studies are limited in many ways, but certainly in that they're looking for average exposures across the board. And even if everyone was exposed to the exact amount in their bodies and they bioaccumulated an exact amount, as your blood detective common sense is telling you now, that doesn't mean a whole lot. Again, you could be exposed to a tiny amount of something and, and have very profound illness. Or you might be exposed to a small amount of something, or I should say a large amount of something, and your body might compensate because your liver, your lungs, your lymphatic system, your renal system, uh, your glutathione uh, detoxification and, and immune systems can manage it among uh, lots of other ways that your body manages these toxins. But... The studies of even average individuals, they produced results that were very disturbing. You know, most people were very likely to have the greatest contact with potential toxic substances, not outside, but inside the places they usually consider to be essentially unpolluted, like your home, your office, your car. The exposure rising from the sources uh, normally targeted by environmental laws and Superfund sites, factories, local industries was negligible in comparison to what shows up sometimes in your home, at work, and in your car. You know, even in New Jersey, um, particularly cities of uh, Bayonne and Elizabeth, both of which have an abundance of chemical you know, processing plants, the levels of 11 volatile organic compounds prove much higher indoors than out. It's just astounding. Everything, it gets trapped indoors. Not unlike how toxins get trapped indoors of you, in other words, inside your body. And what's worse is that the chief source of a lot of these toxins were not from the outside. They appear to be from ordinary consumer products such as air fresheners and cleaning compounds and various building materials. The accumulation of these toxins can affect your nervous system, causing memory, dementia, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, multiple sclerosis, neuropathies or pain syndromes, chronic low-grade inflammation, which just opens up floodgates for everything. These toxins can affect your cardiovascular system, reducing your oxygenation. They can cause toxic effects within your red blood cells. They can kill off lung cells or alveolar cells. They can choke the energetic systems of your cells. In other words, how your body produces energy. So toxins can act like a wrench in the 
area of the cell called the mitochondria, which produces energy, giving you a certain sense of energetic health. And also toxins will affect the mitochondria such that your healing will be slowed. So it's very important in any detoxifying effort to target the mitochondria. If you've never heard of the mitochondria and you've done some detox before, then you haven't done any real detox. Simply fasting or taking substances that cause you to to go to the bathroom is not detoxification. It may be partly important for detoxification, but that's just not it. So we have another question. Could everyday items with which people happily share uh, or use in their homes truly be more of a threat to their health than industrial pollution? Well, the answer is yes. You know, for example, I mentioned benzene earlier on. This is a chemical known to cause leukemia in workers uh, continually exposed to high concentrations. And it's present in gasoline and in some household products. It's also one of about 4,000 chemicals found in tobacco smoke or living uh, with a smoker raises one exposure to benzene enormously. So let's digress for a moment. We've talked a lot about toxic exposure. We've suggested and, and really concluded that indoor air pollution is a very toxic problem. I'm going to just give you five or six examples of some nutritional supplements that can uh, target toxins in general. And then I'll take breaks throughout this conversation and add on more. So you're going to want to write this down or certainly listen to this uh, audio tape of, of this show, Toe Tagged Before Your Time. For those of you, again, just joining us, my name is Dr. Michael Wald. I'm the Director of Nutrition at Integrated Nutrition of Malkisco, located in Westchester, New York, an hour north of New York City. You can reach me by phone. If you want to talk to me uh, and, and work with me personally, either at a distance or face-to-face at 914-552-1442, 914-552-1442, you better send me your questions about this topic. Give me more topics. Send them to my email at info at blooddetective.com. My website is integratednutritionny.com. So let's talk about nutritional supplements that are important for detoxification of these toxins that otherwise could kill us before our time. Now, depending on the toxin exposure, you might have a weak cardiovascular system. They might disrupt your blood sugar. They might cause your adrenals to to weaken or even fail. Uh, They might deplete your body of antioxidants. They could place a stress on your heart. They can affect the health of children and adults by promoting toxicity in the nervous system or toxicity in your body, which are passed along in your reproductive cells, and then you give your child any number of special needs conditions. It can, toxins can overload your detoxification ability in your body. Toxins might stress your GI system, causing leaky gut, inflammation of your intestinal tract, and therefore malnutrition or malabsorption. Toxins can cause inflammation in your muscles and joints. We know that toxins in the environment can cause infertility. Ask an infertility specialist about this. They'll say, yes, it's an interesting area of study. More studies need to be done. Now give me $25,000 for these fertility drugs. Toxins can overwhelm what are known as your methylation systems, which is a system in the body needed direly needed to manage toxins. Your needs for the basics you'd find in a multivitamin would could increase exponentially due to daily toxin exposure. Your respiratory system, as I mentioned, can be affected. Your exercise performance, your sleep can be disrupted. Your thyroid definitely can be affected. On and on and on. So with any daily exposure plan for toxins, one would want to support the adrenal glands. One of the ways of doing this would be to use buffered powdered vitamin C. Uh, My products you can find on blooddetective.com. At least you know they're pharmaceutical grade and you know what you're getting because nutrients are not all the same. 
I would also direct you to a show that I did called What's in Those Supplements? What's in Those Supplements was the name of the New York Times article a few years back that exposed the fact that most nutrients that, that people buy have nothing in them that are on the label or very little. This is a huge problem and it's not been corrected. So vitamin C powder, which is called detox, eliminate a level teaspoon or more per day. You want to take buffered vitamin C until you have a little bit of loose stool and then you back up and the amount that you can tolerate every day for a daily bowel movement without loose stool is your optimal dose of vitamin C. And since most toxins and disease and inflammation and degeneration promote acidity, we would want buffered powdered vitamin C. Very important and absolutely fundamental. Then my next pick for anti-aging, reversing aging, proper exposure to toxins that you're exposed to all day long, we've established that, are the use of superfood plant products. I have four that I always give to all of my patients called Detox 1, 2, 3, and 4. They are a red, purple, green, and orange powder. One half of scoop of each mixed together all at once to taste will provide you with, if not hundreds, tens of thousands of phytonutrients or, or healthful plant elements, many of which research has shown help detoxification, help, help offset inflammation, help support the detoxification systems in our bodies that are affected by our daily exposure to carcinogens and procarcinogens and other, and other nasty toxins. We would want an omega-3 fat because toxins are stored in the nervous system. The nervous system is made of fat. The breast tissue is fat. The prostate is fat. So DHA oil, not EPA DHA, which is fish oil, but DHA in an oil form. Why an oil form? An oil form that is mercury-free because the nervous system is mostly composed the, uh, of DHA. DHA is the most abundant phospholipid in the brain and nervous system, and these toxins have an affinity for the nervous system, these pseudo-Parkinsonism conditions, multiple sclerosis, so many neurologic problems, headaches, anything nervous system needs DHA. I can speak all day about the potential benefits of DHA from cardiovascular disease to anti-inflammation for special needs problems, for offsetting dementia uh, and supporting, again, anything nervous system. The dose on average, if you're not on blood thinners, would be two tablespoons per day, taken with or without food. And my quick disclaimer here is, don't do any of this stuff unless you're getting some guidance. If you're on medications, you must definitely get guidance because nutrients and drugs can interact both positively and negatively. And because you need acetyl-L-carnitine, a very important amino acid to use DHA in the body, you would want to take acetyl-L-carnitine at about 500 milligrams per day. If you are overweight, a lot of these doses would be higher. Okay? Now, of course, you might need specific nutrition depending on the health problems that have been um, caused by your toxin exposure. So the things I'm speaking about now are just in general. But then, for example, if you have mostly joint discomfort, you would want to take a very comprehensive joint complex. So I have one called joint complex. So you take that on top of these other things. So you have a strong base of true daily detoxification. The detox powders I mentioned, detox one, two, three, four, they taste delicious. You take a half a scoop of each in a big thermos diluted in water to taste and you drink it throughout the day. So you have your daily exposure. Your vitamin C powder in the form of the detox eliminate product, you take it two or hopefully three times per day. You can even mix it into your detox one, two, three, four powders. Your DHA, two tablespoons per day. If you want to get real fancy, you do three tablespoons per day because it is a real detoxifier. DHA also helps to soften cell membranes so that toxins can get in and out of cells 
much more readily. And as far as detoxification goes, specifically, there are fundamental detox pathways in the body that require another very important nutrient, which you can find on my site at blooddetective.com. It's called N as in Nancy, A as in Apple, C as in Carl, N-A-C, N-acetylcysteine. N-acetylcysteine is a chelator of toxins, but more important for the toxins we're talking about now, since they don't need to be chelated, they need to be detoxified, they need to be dismantled, they need to be transformed into something less toxic or non-toxic. I'm going to tell you something I haven't said yet that you may have never heard about detoxification. There are three detox pathways in the liver, three main ones. It's called, they're called phase one, phase two, and phase three. And guess what, folks? They require different nutrition. A lot of that nutrition is found in the detox one through four products. There's also acetyl L-carnitine needed for those three phases. Now, one other fact about those phases. Here's how your body works. You'll want to hear this. When we spoke about transforming fat-soluble toxins earlier in the show. You know, remember, fat-soluble toxins get stuck in fat tissue. They're hard to get out. They need to be transformed into something so your body can get rid of them. Well, your body goes through these phases, one, two, and three, to transform that fat-soluble toxin into a water-soluble toxin so that you can eliminate it through the urine. Your body also detoxifies partly, partly through the skin, um, partly through breathing, of course, the point, though, is when your body transforms a fat-soluble toxin into a water-soluble toxin, sometimes if you are deficient in some of the nutrients that helps those three detox phases, phase one, phase two, and phase three, hang in there with me, if your body gets stuck moving that toxin through phase one, two, and three in your body, it can take a toxic pesticide or a toxic substance that you're exposed to and make it even more toxic. This is not a holistic concept. This is basic toxicology, that if your detox pathways are only partially working, your efforts could make you worse because you, you can get stuck in the mechanisms of detox. So you need to have the proper nutrition. I always suggest my active folic acid, which has the methylated form of folic acid, along with a sublingual B12, which has methylated B12, methylated folic acid, and phosphorylated B6. So that's in my sublingual B12 and my active folate with additional methylated folic acid because of all the toxic exposures. Let's get back to some details about the environment. Regarding indoor air pollution, there was a, a study that found that the average concentration of benzene that was inhaled by a person in their homes or indoors was nearly three times higher than typical outdoor levels. And it was calculated that 45% of the total exposure of the U.S. pollution to benzene comes from smoking or breathing uh, smoke exhaled by others. 36% of the benzene came from inhaling gasoline fumes or from various uh, common products such as glues. And 16% from other home sources, uh, such as paints and gasoline stored in basements or, or attached garages. So what's really interesting is that government regulators, they usually consider only the gross amount of benzene released from the, uh, into the general environment and for which the largest share of benzene comes from automobiles, about 82%, followed by industry, which emits about 14% of the benzene we're exposed to, and then domestic uh, sources, about 3%. Cigarettes contribute only about 0.1%. So what we're talking about here is that most of the benzene we're exposed to is indoors. And if that level of benzene indoors was found outdoor, uh, in the outdoors, the EPA would go crazy with environmental regulations. And, you know, benzene is uh, one of these volatile organic compounds, as I've said, but there are about a dozen or so others that their typical amounts indoors, you know, per cubic meter are just horrifically alarming. And, you know, some of these, these organic compounds are quite toxic at high concentrations. And remember what we said, high concentrations is a relative term. And they're also more prevalent indoors than out. So, for example, there's a chemical called tetrachloroethylene, also known as PERC. 
uh, which has been known to cause cancer in laboratory animals, is used in dry cleaning clothes. So the, great, the greatest exposure occurs when people live in a building with uh, dry cleaning facilities or wear recently dry clean clothes or store those clothes that are chemically laden in their, you know, in their closets. And then we have moth repellent cakes or crystals and toilet disinfectants and deodorizers. They're the major source of exposure to this uh, paradichlorobenzene, which we know causes cancer in animals. Studies have, you know, it's amazing, they've consistently indicated that almost all exposure to this chemical comes from sources inside homes and not from industrial emissions. So it's important that we take our nutrition and it's important that we change our indoor environments. We use chemically, chemical-free natural cleaning agents. But sometimes, I mean, it's very difficult. You know, for example, a major source of exposure to chloroform, you know, which is a gas that provokes concern because it causes cancer in animals subject to high concentrations, are, we get that from showering, uh, boiling water, and, um, and uh, clothes washers. It forms from the, uh, the chlorine used to treat water supplies. And because piped water is something that people simply cannot do without, the only way to minimize household exposure to chloroform is to drink bottled water or tap water that's run through a good quality charcoal filter and to improve ventilation in the bathroom and laundry. So I said a couple of important things there. We all know that bottled water is put in plastics that also contain these chemicals. So... Putting a little buffered vitamin C in that water can help. Some lemon, some lime, and then putting the right nutrition in your bodies. There's hundreds of healthful detoxifying chemicals that help re- that help target and retard the cancerous effect of a lot of these chemicals in the plant products. Again, that's why I put together my detox one, two, three, four powdered products because we can't eat 75 pieces of fruits and vegetables a day. But of course, we want to eat organic when we can, but we have problems with even truly organic foods. That's a whole other show. But my point here is I mentioned um, charcoal. I advise that everyone take charcoal. Charcoal is very interesting because it will bind to toxins in your stomach and probably in your small intestine. But it also tends to pull toxins from other areas of, uh, of the body. What's really fascinating about charcoal is that charcoal in your body, see, we're exposed to radiation at every moment. And as that radiation passes through the body, it damages our DNA, it can cause cancer. Charcoal helps to redirect a lot of our exposure. And anything passing through the actual charcoal compound in our body is absorbed in that charcoal, and then the charcoal is eliminated. So one of the simplest, best ways to protect yourself from various toxins and radiation is by consuming charcoal. So back to indoor air pollution, we know also that if you improve the airflow in your house, you can, you can lower your exposure to carbon monoxide, which we know is a product of incomplete combustion that robs the blood of oxygen and can be particularly harmful to people with heart ailments and inhaled at levels uh, often found uh, indoors can create and promote asthma and other conditions that may have nothing to do with the respiratory tract. I want to just talk about one more disturbing a group of studies of indoor air uh, contamination that were conducted in the 80s in, in Florida and Massachusetts. And in those places, investigators found that indoor air contained at least five, uh, but typically 10 or more times higher concentrations of pesticides than outdoor air. And those residues included insecticides approved only for outdoor use. And evidently, potent chemicals targeted against termites in the foundations of the houses found their way indoors. And these poisons can be tracked in on people's shoes, your shoes, or they can seep through the soil uh, as a gas into the homes. So I can go on so, so long. I can mention to you that if you're using a nylon toothbrush or you are holding a plastic toothbrush that you're going to have plastic exposures in your body. If you are flossing your teeth 
or brushing too hard and you cause bleeding of your gums, that's creating a leaky situation of inflammation in your mouth, bacteria and nylon toxins uh, get in your body. We know that flossing, according to a Harvard study, can increase cardiovascular risk. Uh, bacteria leak into your gums, into your bloodstream. They can cause inflammation of your heart lining, your blood vessels causing hardening of the arteries. It, these bacterial agents can trigger autoimmunity, cause all sorts of issues. The fact that we're walking around all day long, we put our hands on the bottom of our shoes, and then some of us forget to wash our hands are an issue. And then if we do wash our hands, we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't because if we wash our hands with antibacterial soap, we cause death of a lot of bacteria on our hands, but we also cause resistant bugs on our hands, which we then touch to our mouths and then we get into our bodies. So how do we deal with all this stuff? Well, other than avoiding and or minimizing as many exposures as possible, we must protect ourselves nutritionally beyond the diet. So eating, in my opinion, much lower down on the food chain towards a vegetarian existence is what I would suggest. Uh, I am a vegetarian. I do not suggest that that's necessarily the most appropriate way for most people. But if I had to choose right now in the terms of this conversation, you're going to have lower toxin exposure eating lower down on the food chain in general. Many patients that I see are well-intended and they start vegan diets or vegetarian diets or they start eating healthy in some other way. But what they don't know is they're not balancing their proper nutrition. So they may be depleting uh, their body of needed nutrients to deal with toxic exposures both in and outside the home. If you do not want to be toe-tagged before your time, you need to take your nutrients two to three times a day. Before we close the show for today, let me give you a few more nutritional considerations. One would be a multivitamin with all activated forms of compounds because you don't want to be taking a multivitamin where your liver has to activate the nutrients because that activation takes energy. And if you've been exposed to toxins, you might not activate nutrients appropriately. So I only use my multivitamin mineral formula, which are activated nutrients. In terms of liver support, I spoke about N-acetylcysteine. We want at least 500 milligrams a day. We definitely want alpha-lipoic acid, which you'll find on the Blood Detective website. It helps protect the liver, and uh, it is a fat-soluble antioxidant and anti-cancer agent. And I mentioned the detox eliminate vitamin C earlier. We want to make sure you have appropriate stomach acid levels because if you eat toxins and you don't have appropriate stomach acid, you will not denature those toxins. So there's specific ways to identify that uh, to see if you have low stomach acid, which is hypochlorhydra, or you have low pancreatic enzymes. Uh, and we want to fix all of this. So these are general suggestions. I invite you to listen to the show again, take some notes so you can really live with this stuff because this is an area that is neglected by most, how to deal with our daily unseen exposure to very, uh, very, very toxic substances. There are tests that are available to look at your different body systems. There are tests available to look at how well you use certain nutrients, not merely your levels of a nutrient. It's just like saying the level of a toxin exposure determines how you will be affected. It's not the level, it's how your body deals with it, right? All of that, or I should say a large amount of how your body deals with things, is based in properly applied nutrition. It's not about taking a lot of nutrients. It's about taking the right ones given your environmental exposures and your life and your genetics and your other health problems, your health goals. So thank you, everyone, for joining me today on this topic, toe-tagged before your time. I personally do not want to be toe-tagged before my time, so I looked into this area in a lot of detail and I live by what I am telling you. To reach me with questions or concerns or new health topics or to see me as a one-on-one -on -one patient or over a distance, call me please at 914-552-1442. You can visit my Blood Detective website at blooddetective.com. You can email me your show topics or questions at info at blooddetective.com. And the next show will be Hormone Disasters. Hormones impact virtually every cellular function. 
So I'll be talking about the role of hormones in the body for immunity, for controlling inflammation, for energy. I'll review the thyroid, the adrenals, the pituitary gland, all these cool areas in the body that produce and manage our hormones. And of course, how to manage optimally healthy hormone balance throughout a lifetime so that you can live a life that you love, be able to participate in life the way you want and need and deserve. Thank you again, and I'll see you all soon. Show